0: Welcome to Backstage at Upstage, a
1: presentation of Upstage Lung Cancer, which uses the performing arts to raise awareness and funding for lung cancer research. Here's your host, the founder
2: and president of Upstage Lung Cancer, Hildy Grossman. Hi, I'm Hildy Grossman, and we're so excited to have you with us today backstage at Upstage. And here's my good pal, Jordan Rich.
0: Thank you, Hildy. On November 27, 2011, former 12-year veteran NFL star Chris Draft married the love of his life, Keisha Rutledge, in a beautiful ceremony surrounded by loved ones. An organization the couple founded called Team Draft was launched on Chris and Keisha's wedding day. Exactly one month later, at age 38, Keisha passed away. The cause? Lung cancer. Chris sat by her side as she took her last breaths. He was inspired and determined to create Team Draft with the goal of changing the face of lung cancer. And Chris is a longtime supporter of Upstage Lung Cancer. Again, his website, teamdraft.org. And now Hilde will kick things off.
2: So Chris,
0: <laughs> yes. um,
2: I'd, I'd love you to say a little bit about your entree into uh, the lung cancer community. And then we can talk some more about stigma as we go along.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I, you know, I know this is a, a brand new show and, and uh, you guys are using this platform to really educate people so that all, during the year leading up to your fundraisers that they have a chance to get to know more of why you do what you do. I, I think you know that's so important. Understanding the origin, understanding the reason why is so critical for for people to really get uh, why something matters. I didn't wake up one morning and want to be a lung cancer advocate. I I am on this show because I'm a lung cancer advocate. It's not because I'm a former NFL football player. It's not because I'm, you know, I live in Boston. I live in Atlanta. I mean, I am not some random person. I am a lung cancer advocate, but that did not just happen uh, because I woke up and I said, oh my goodness, I want to be a lung cancer advocate. And for so many people that that, it's the same thing. It's the same story really across the board. And then not just with lung cancer Uh, issue becomes your issue. Uh, when you have a personal connection with that issue. And so for me, that personal connection is is my wife, Keisha. Now, In December of, of 2010, she was my girlfriend at the time. She was had a little shortness of breath. And that little shortness of breath, uh, with someone else, they might have tried to ignore it. They might have said, you know what, I'm not going to go to the doc. But she was someone that was always on top of her, uh, her checkup and was Honest about her body, because she was in amazing shape, great shape, 37 years old, uh, was challenging me to do P90X and run a 10K race. Uh, so that type of shape. So she went in and had just a little shortness of breath. And her primary care doc said, well, give you some antibiotics, but let's just go get a chest X-ray. Went over and got a chest X-ray, mass in her left lung. Right? And so there's a possibility of lung cancer, because until we confirm, until we get the biopsy, we don't know for sure. And you're hoping that maybe there's a possibility that it's not. And so that was right before Christmas of 2010. Uh, We confirmed two days after Christmas that she had lung cancer. And at that point, really knowing that that's early stage and hopefully it hasn't spread, which would then be bad uh, 10 years ago. At about this time, 10 years ago, after having her PET scan and having an MRI that we found out that she had stage four cancer that had spread to her brain. 37 year old woman in amazing shape uh, is diagnosed with lung cancer and you know, you have to believe at that moment uh, something that you would have never thought of, unless somebody would have told you directly, and unless they had, say, some physical evidence, uh, you probably wouldn't have believed them. And that is that anyone can get lung cancer. Now, for me to say that that's easy because my wife, again, Keisha, was 37 years old when she was diagnosed, and I was, you know, was with her. I can see that. I know it. If you don't have somebody in your life like that, if you that the history would tell you that that's not true.
0: If I may jump in for a second, Uh, it's nice to meet you, Chris. And and, uh, my friend Hildy and I, we've done a lot. We've been in uh, cahoots for a long time raising money, and I love her. I share a similar story. They're all different, but similar. I just wanted to get this to you that uh, my first wife, my late wife of 31 years, also a non-smoker, never had any issues. But she did have other issues with cancer that uh, were dealt with in the Mm. late 80s, early 90s with very heavy radiation treatment which mm-hmm. led then to mesothelioma, a deadly form mm-hmm. of lung cancer. So even though the circumstances are different, there's that sense of, well, what did we do to trigger this? And no one knows the exact answer, but it's it's really a problem that affects people from all walks of life, as you say, and that's so important to make that message clear.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's so important to understand that anyone can get it. But what, I, what I'll tell you is it's it's important to not just completely focus on the cost so much that you don't focus on the person that hasn't. And so I can right. tell you, is that my wife was in amazing shape and and we could have easily and she could have easily been worried about how did I get it? How did I get it? That is not a winning battle, right? Mm. And so my wife chose to to move forward and focus on what she could control. There's people that will study that one. But in terms of somebody that has it, is to be able to stay focused on each day and make sure that you stay in the moment and what she did was did a great job of putting together an amazing plan with all the tremendous resources that we had around us. I mean, she knew medical people like crazy, and they really rallied around us during that time. Her family rallied around us. And and then she just had a, an amazing spirit about her where instead of thinking about the loss that was cancer, you know, the loss of things, she found a way to, to find joy in each day. And, and kind of push that, you know, not that it's easy. I mean, this is, it's extremely difficult of what she did was to be able to mentally allow herself to see the positive in these days when she's 37 years old and, and literally everything about her experience at stage four lung cancer, not being able to be on some of the newer targeted therapies at that particular time and just going to chemo and that so many things meant that dreams that she had were just getting taken away, taken away. But her faith was so strong, and her mind was so strong, that allowed her to continue to find joy, you know, all the way up until uh, she passed in December, December 27th of
2: 2011. I was going to say, I you know my own experience with uh, lung cancer that was found by accident. I'm also, I eat well. I don't smoke, which is the first question anybody asks you. You know, do you smoke? Um, you know, I'm, I'm active, I move around. (laughs) And so it's the same thing. It, it, when it happened, when I received the diagnosis, it was, um, it was kind of mind boggling at that time. Um, I didn't know anyone who'd had lung cancer. Um, for me personally, it felt embarrassing. I had this image in my own Mm -hmm. mind of Mm -hmm. who gets lung cancer. It's certainly not Keisha, not some beautiful dancer, some you know uh, amazing you know creature on this earth. It's like my mind. It was this sort of. Uh, this sounds terrible, but this is how I thought about it. Some you know, some guy in some bar with a light, you know, one light bulb <laughs> swinging back and forth. A you know, three day growth of beard, like six beers in front of him. And
1: a giant pot belly. That was that's the face of lung cancer at the time. So, so if I can if I can interject something because I know we're going to talk about stigma. It's important for you to, to not make the image that you're that you're kind of depicting that you're uh, you're kind of describing that uh, that image is not something that you came up with. That's an image that was taught to you. That's an image that you were shown, right? That is what's so important. When I'm saying that anyone can get it. I'm saying that I, nobody would know that anyone can get it, right? That I had to find out because I wasn't taught that, right? Right, so right. The,
2: we both believe- is an
1: example that anyone can get it. Now, I'm not trying to debate that. All I'm saying is that that's what it is. That's the truth. But if we don't tell people, then how would they know?
2: They wouldn't know. And I always said, I always said, if look at me, if I can get lung cancer, you can get lung cancer. Mm-hmm. Which you know usually makes people you know sort of stop in their tracks. But it's true. That's that's just the way it is. But I agree with you. There are images, there are prejudices, stigma associated with lung cancer. And I I think you're absolutely right about it. you have to be taught.
1: Yeah, that's so. The key is just to recognize that. To recognize yeah. that this is about how we were taught. Right. And then once you get that, then that allows you to be able to work back through it. And so my wife was diagnosed, but I played in the NFL for 12 years. That was my 13th year. I was with the Redskins right before in training camp before Keisha was diagnosed. So I built a relationship with the NFL. We're talking about the number one platform in America in terms of media. This is a platform. If you wanted to change the face of lung cancer, then you would want to be able to use that. And so, Before my wife passed, we were able to uh, get married November 27, 2011, and we launched our team draft initiative, which is committed to changing the face of lung cancer. And part of that, you know, again, is really using any time that you take a stand, you use the resources and connections that you have. Time, talent, and treasure really kind of guide uh, guide those ways. And so I'd already been in contact with the commissioner of the NFL. I actually spoke with him 10 years ago. January of 2011, and he said, what can we do? What can we do? You know, that is so critically important that, the, you know, that the lung cancer community, I've told this story a number of times, and the, and the problem is, is as I tell it, people are thinking that the NFL should do all of the work, that if they said that they were supportive, then why didn't they change lung cancer? Because they can't by themselves, because they, we need the experts to actually validate that lung cancer is bigger than just getting people to stop smoking that it's bigger than just a great American smokeout. So unfortunate thing is that before Keisha was ready to stand, before a team draft was established, I went over based on the commissioner introducing me, he set up the meeting at American Cancer Society. And I said to them, you guys, you know, the meeting, you know, my, my wife is diagnosed with lung cancer, you, and you know that the commissioner is on board because he set up the meeting. You know, the NFL is on board because they were a part of this. You know, all my teams are on board because of that, right? So when my wife is ready, what we want to do is work with you guys to raise money for lung cancer research. Well, the response was, all we have is the Great American Smoke Act. So when somebody asked me, you know, why is it that people only know about the connection with smoking? And I'm saying, well, the answer is very easy. If that's all you've been told, then that's all you'll know. And if the experts aren't willing to change, of course, even more so, that's all you will know.
2: Well, I think so- that's also because they thought they would have the biggest bang for their buck. If they could get people to quit smoking, then the problem's solved. Nobody's going to get lung cancer. Well, we know better, right?
1: Well, and, I, and that's where I was saying, Hildy, is that the key is the cancer or disease game plan is the same across the board. Prevention, early detection, treatment, research, and survivorship. If you can get a large amount of people based on prevention, smoking sensation, that's great. But if you can't get 100%, then you need to activate the other areas right? It's very simple. The game plan is not anything specific to lung cancer. It's It can be applied to any other disease and pretty much any other problem. What we had to get is the lung cancer community to acknowledge that and recognize that that's where our fight is. So when someone says there's a stigma in lung cancer, literally what they're doing is just acknowledging the historic prevention campaign.
0: We'll get back to the podcast in just a moment. Upstage Lung Cancer exclusively uses music and the performing arts to get the word out about lung cancer through concerts and activities upstage helps fund much needed research. As the saying goes, find it, treat it, beat it. Please subscribe to this podcast series and tell your friends. Oh, and if you'd like to join our efforts, consider a donation of any amount at upstagelungcancer.org and now Back to the podcast.
2: When I went in for surgery, you know, they hand you a form and you fill in, you know, name, address, and serial number. So one of the questions was, do you smoke? And I had this wave that shocked through me. And I thought, thank God I don't smoke because I would feel so much shame and humiliation. Mm-hmm. That shouldn't be. Because again, we also know even for people who do smoke, uh, they, they're, they're not, you know, they should well,
1: not be the target. Well, so the problem is if you actually think of it as a target. And I think that's the real issue. You know, if, as victims in this lung cancer community, uh, we, we're taking something that's an obvious question that they ask on any intake uh, for any cancer or any any disease. Any doctor's visit. They do that all the right. time because of right. lung cancer, they're taking it to heart in a different way. And so the reality is, is that in this country, the cigarette industry got indicted. Or predatory marketing and and making their cigarettes more addicting, and so in doing that, they literally, based on an indictment, said that people that smoked were victims of the industry, right? It's yeah. only our problem in our community, so our community has to acknowledge them as victims, and be willing to fight for them. Mm. Right? It's our community that has to acknowledge that to be a former smoker, that there are there are studies that show that quitting smoking is as as
2: as hard as quitting heroin, right? Well, actually, harder. Yeah. Well. The, the, I'll tell you. I'll tell you why. If you go to methadone clinics, you can get people off heroin, but you can't get them necessarily to quit smoking. It's that addicting.
1: So, if we look at that in those in those in that aspect, I'm saying that literally the companies got indicted. They created victims based on it. The people that have been able to stop smoking, former smokers. You're literally talking about them accomplishing something, one of their greatest accomplishments of their life. If we don't celebrate that as a community, it's our fault. It is our community that that enforces a stigma. If there is one, we have to validate that our people matter. We have to accept that someone is a current a smoker, that is a victim of a system. We have to love the person that was able to fight mm. and a former smoker we have to acknowledge that there are never smokers will get this disease and then we have to stand up and fight and make it clear that prevention is not enough and not wait for somebody outside the community to do it but make it clear that whatever works for everyone else is the same thing for lung cancer prevention early detection treatment research and survivorship anything else is unacceptable
0: I have a question that I'd love both of you to tackle, and it's the elephant in the corner of the room. And, of course, I'm talking about COVID-19 and all the impact that that's had, which is legitimate. Uh, It's a terrible, terrible scourge. So many people aren't even going for their regular checkups or for scans. And we know that the attention paid to things like lung cancer, which is a serious, serious killer in America and across the world, has faded. what What's your What's your stance on where we are and what we need to do in lieu of what we're dealing with with COVID? We'll start with uh, you, Chris.
1: So, I, Jordan, I think that's a, it's a great question for you to ask. Um, I would say that cancer across the board—you know—the diagnoses are down. I mean, they they're dramatically down. We have studies that say that, and that's not just lung cancer. Uh, that's because it you know, in terms of understanding how to make it safe for people to go to the doctor. That's been a difficult process. So to say that that's a lung cancer issue by itself is wrong. It's tied to then dealing with COVID and making sure that the hospital system gets back to normal, making sure that we understand the rules that allow people to have confidence to go back in. So it's not just that you have something going on, but do you have the confidence to go to the doctor? Do you, are you able to go to the doctor? Do they want you to go to the doctor? Which again, that's bigger than, than lung cancer in, in terms of that. But here's what I'll say in, in terms of COVID from a positive in, in, in terms of impacting the lung cancer community uh, moving forward, is that if you have a respiratory disease where it's impacting people's lungs, then which cancer will have the biggest direct connection to COVID? And so as we're in the middle of it right now, we're not talking about survivorship as much, but the real issue kind of moving forward, and it's just a very easy, natural question, is that what? how has it changed getting COVID where you had to get hospitalized? How does that change your risk factor for lung cancer? So when we say anyone can get it, I mean, that looks totally different when we've had this COVID virus really affect our country. And so potentially that completely, you know, that changes the numbers and changes the people. Uh, but that's something that we have to study. That's something that naturally begs research uh, because of the amount of people affected by the coronavirus.
2: Right, and I think it's gonna be very likely that the, that the numbers do go up, especially for people who have had COVID and um, even people who have had COVID without major, major um, symptoms. It's, it's very possible that sometime later down the road, it's going to impact their lungs and, and, and potentially lung cancer. Also, the hospitals have been overwhelmed. So part of the message is don't come bothering us. That's not, not that nasty. But, you know, it's like, please don't come and flood our hospitals unless you've got something seriously wrong. Well. For somebody like Keisha, you know, somebody who says, well, I'm just short of breath, but there's nothing major, major uh, in terms of an obvious symptom. They're waiting. They're standing back. And then those are really dangerous circumstances. So, so, yeah. yeah.
1: But really, that's across the board that anybody in that situation, bigger than lung cancer, those are issues that everyone's dealing with until we get control of coronavirus, where we make it easier for people to Get it Now, Now I'm going to tell you, she was absolutely, uh, you know, on it. So she she probably would have, uh, uh, and ha- and then also had the relationship with a primary care doc. Uh, you know, if there was somebody that could still get diagnosed at that particular time mm-hmm. because of the people that she had uh, that were supportive of her, that not everybody has, right? You know, she's fr- friends with her primary care docs, friends with so many medical people that uh, her path uh, with lung cancer, her journey with lung cancer was different.
0: It's interesting, my wife, same idea as she fought very bravely and, uh, and didn't allow it to change the person she was. She was a teacher and a mom and a wife, and, and she retained her life. And I think that's also that stigma thing we talked about. Can you also focus on what your organization has been doing in the last couple of years? Because we want people to go to the website, obviously, and find out and support. But uh, what have been some of your initiatives?
1: Well, so basically 10 years, uh, you know, what, what's our, what's our main, addition, you know, come back to is really is changing the face of lung cancer. Basically what I said earlier is that we're redefining what does it mean to be able to tackle lung cancer. So when somebody again talks about a, a stigma is the stigma, just really acknowledges that there's been a prevention campaign historically. And so acknowledging that that's incomplete is not enough is we have to educate people on the rest, right? So acknowledging that they don't know, wow, that's good, but are we going to educate them about the things that they need to know? And so that's been our commitment of really saying that it can happen to anyone, but recognizing that, I, you know, I can show pictures of my wife, but that's one person, right? The people need to see people. They need to feel it, they need to know it, that it can happen in their community. They can happen all over. I mean, That's what breast cancer does. They say it can happen to the women in your life. It can happen. It can happen. It can happen. And so lung cancer needed to grab a hold of that same message of it can happen. It can happen. It can happen. And research matters, research matters, research matters along with early detection and and treatment. And then we need to max these things out because our Mm. people deserve for us to fight at a level that is all in. And so that's, again, that's what our mission of changing the face of lung cancer is, is, is acknowledging that anyone can get it, knowing that prevention is not enough, Ign- you know, accepting that it takes early detection, treatment, research, and survivorship. And if we don't say it, if we don't stand up and say it, then nobody else is going to do it, right? So don't blame other people. Don't be you know mad at somebody because they don't know. If we didn't tell them, and don't get mad because they're not willing to stand up, if we didn't help them understand why it matters.
2: I was going to just add that I think Chris and I... Our, our organization's missions are very, very similar, uh, if not identical. Upstage Lung Cancer took the tack of using music in the performing arts because it's so celebrated and people find joy and they find um, um, respect and they find admiration in performers. And so um, I always say it's a little bit like Mary Poppins. If you want the general public to listen to what's going on in lung cancer. You have to make it appealing. And so it's like Mary Poppins, a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. So if we can have music, if we can have um, entertainment, if we can have laughter, if we can have joy, um, and then include messages that are so important, which is if you are short of breath, Don't wait. Don't feel like it's foolish on your part to check things out. And I think that's part of what stigma does. You know, it's embarrassing to go. People don't want to know. Um, People worry about what their relatives will say or what their neighbors will say. Mm -hmm. I think we come from this very positive direction to pay attention to lung cancer and to keep talking about it and the need for research. So
1: the stigma is really just the acknowledgement of a problem. But the real deal is, are you going to do something about the problem? That's the only way that something really changes. So to say that people are treated poorly or they're treated differently. Wow, we said it, but what are we doing about it? And that's, you know, that's our job as lung cancer advocates to make sure that we validate with everything that we do that our people matter. And there might and you know, recognizing that. You know, again, a 50 year campaign made it where there might not, you know, it might take a little while for the community to really kind of get on board with that message. But, but literally the historic message was to get people to stop smoking. That was what we asked people to do. So, to support lung cancer, we asked them to do that. And so the people did that. So, to think that they won't be supportive of other messages when they actually were already supportive, it's just a different message.
2: I think there's a lot of a, a lot more enthusiasm. I know for myself over these 13 years, there's more enthusiasm to hear about um, the need for early detection. That we've we've still we've got uh, CT scans that are available, and they're available in a high risk community now. You can go ahead and do that, and Medicare will pay for it. In these 13 years, there have been so many new treatments that have come out. There's now more hope and more of a positive vision. I know when I started, I didn't have one good thing I could say. I'd say, well, it's not good, but we're going to support research. What research? I don't know. Hmm. Now I do know. I know exactly. And we have supported some amazing early detection research. We will not stop until it's available for everyone Yes. You and I are very tenacious. We are <laughs> not to be stopped. I could play for the NFL if I were a little larger, maybe.
0: Question is, can our guests sing? Because we can get them on stage to do that.
2: I,
1: I
0: am,
2: I
1: am <laughs> a stream backup singer. So that, that, my skill set as much as being an MC for people that really are performers. And uh,
0: I'm with you on that. That's what I giving do.
1: Them per, giving <laughs> them perspective in terms of why why things matter. Just to, you know, to add to this is that it's about building a team all right you know and 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 so much of why i use the backdrop of, of the nfl is that it's the number one sport in america so if we want to get our message out that creates the platform to get it out but we have to be confident in our message the first year i went to 60 cancer centers and i went around and talked to each one of these doctors and in, the, in, in, in the centers and i said well you know i have a platform i have the biggest platform right you guys saw they did our story before the super Bowl in 20 in 2012 you guys can see that He said, but I cannot say that research matters without you as experts standing up and saying it to And that's a big part of, of why we are where we are in this community is, again, we're waiting for somebody else to tell us to do something that is obvious. We're waiting for somebody to tell us to do something that everyone else has already done. And that is, if research matters, we stand up and ask for it. Too often, somebody says that the stigma is the reason why lung cancer screening is low. No, lung cancer screening is low because we haven't made sure the people that are eligible know about it and make sure they feel like it's worth it.
2: Uh, Both of those are essential, that people know that it's there and they know they can access it and it will save so many, it's already saved so many lives uh, to make the um, lung cancer screening more available. But... At the same time, there still remains stigma. We can't pretend like it doesn't exist. It's still there. And so the more we talk, the more we change the face. I don't have the face of my previous image of a lung cancer (laughs) victim. Uh, So um, I think that's what's going to happen. It's about educating
1: yeah, so what I'm, saying, what I'm saying, Hilde, is acknowledging that there is a stigma, but how you overcome that is by being very intentional about it. So without acknowledging, just saying it rather than going to work on it. And, and the problem is we have too many people that stop by just saying it rather than actually going. And we have clear evidence that when people go after the people, when they go and sell to the people, when they go educate the people, that they're all on board. You know, I'd say that Roger Goodell, as soon as Keisha was diagnosed, he said, what could we do? There was no stigma that was in the way of him saying, what can we do? That wasn't what got in the way. It was the American Cancer Society not wanting to stand up and say the research matter. It was other cancer centers that wouldn't want to stand up and say that research matters. They did not want to stand up and say that research matters. So our priorities have to come through. And if they don't, then it's our fault.
2: It's a team. Effort, And it also reminds me, it's like a company for a theater and it's like a chorus. We have to expand our chorus. We have to have our voices heard. We have to make sure people know research matters, lives matters. Lung cancer continues to be the number one cancer killer. We need to address cancer in general. So I think what we're talking about, you know, impacts You know, anyone with cancer, anyone with cancer in the family. So it's about being strong, being bold, (laughs) sing or say what's necessary. Yes, we have to re-teach everyone. Then to change... Stigma to schmigma, which was my my theme for this, you know, it's like stigma, schmigma, like who cares? We can say who cares once we have been specific, once people do know what needs to happen, once they have been educated and once they stand up and do the work, not just wring their hands. Yeah, so I
1: got you. Or I would say that the stigma comes from just a prevention campaign. And so the way we deal with that is when we decide that our people matter enough to make sure that we let the people know. We let the medical community know that prevention is not enough, that early detection, treatment, research, and survivorship are necessary, and that we are going to fight with everything we have to make sure that that happens, because our people deserve it.
2: Bravo. I want to thank Chris Draft, my friend. My co-advocate, a partner in so many things that we've we've worked on together and will continue to work on together. I'm grateful. Um, your voice, your efforts, your intelligence, and your vision are so important to lung cancer, and so I'm grateful uh, to have you on our our podcast. Thank you. Thank you. To find out how you can
1: join Upstage Lung Cancer in raising awareness and funding to beat lung cancer, visit our website, upstagelungcancer.org. We invite you to subscribe and download our podcast, available on all platforms, and we love reviews and ratings. After all, we're showbiz people. There's more entertainment and inspiration to come on the next podcast episode of Backstage
0: at Upstage.